Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover as we talk about investing, finance, and retirement here on the podcast. As usual, Steve, my friend, what's shaking? Not much. Just trying to get the year going. Trying to get the year rocking and rolling. Yeah, we are into our second broadcast of uh, January, and damn, January is almost over, basically. So you know, we're it's it's just quick. You know, we, the next thing you know, it's going to be spring. So, but that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, I'll I'll take that. Right. Get out of winter and get into spring, and and the way we go. Now, yeah, away we go. Well, I thought we would kind of shine a light in a funny category, considering that we do a show about financial concepts and things of that nature, retirement planning. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit about biases in financial media, where we might find these and just kind of shine a little light on these. And I know that might sound a little funny considering we're doing one, but it's not like we're doing a radio show where it's uh, targeted to a wide audience. We're doing a very specific podcast kind of tailored to a very niche kind of genre, if you will. And, and well, you can still draw these you know, parallels if you want to. But I think it's always a good idea for us to keep up to date on, on information. And of course, certainly nowadays in, uh, in this environment, who would have thought that you'd have to watch, you need to watch multiple news outlets from different sides just to try to hopefully find the truth somewhere in the middle because it seems like everything has a slant. And of course, that's the same with the financial media as well. It can definitely have a bit of a bias or a slant. And as humans, I get it. We all do that, right, Steve? Would you agree? We're all, we all have some biases certainly oh sure we do yeah we absolutely do and so it's really kind of navigating and finding the ones uh the things that are going to hopefully you know line up with the things that you're looking for but also give you the truth as well because you don't want just someone just constantly saying yeah you're doing everything great uh and only come to find out that you're not so let's just talk a little bit about uh, where we might see some of this stuff and let's start with sensationalism uh cable news um radio programs magazine whatever the case might be the old saying still works as well in traditional news as it does for financial news. If it bleeds, it leads. Absolutely. It, it does because nobody wants to watch anything if it's good. It I seems mean, like it, it that's way. just human nature. Unless it's cat videos on the internet or something. I don't know. But other than that, yeah, it's like news. It's got to be all be dark and gloomy, it seems. Oh, absolutely. It, it, again, it just gets people to watch and then they can sell more advertising and, and the way they go. So that that's just the way it is. Yeah, and sensationalistic. So it often leads to people definitely getting worked up about things, right? You, you know, you have a. Um, it was a while back, I think. I woke up and the first article I saw on some financial whatever it was that popped up on my phone said uh, Dow bracing for a five hundred point drop to you know on whatever day it was five hundred points. You know, back on uh, what was it Black Monday in eighty seven was a big deal. You know, five hundred points when it's twenty eight thousand, not that big a deal. It's not and. One of the the websites I look at, they'll show if the market happens to be in the red, and, you know, in on a negative. They always show this one trader on the floor of the, um, Wall Street. And he's got a big white mustache, got big white hair, and they always show him with his mouth open or hand over his face, like, "Oh my gosh, this is, I can't believe this is just a disaster." And the market's down. 0.02%. <laughs> it's like, it, it. it's just unbelievable. And if you listen to people, especially on the news, when they say, and today the Dow was down 125 points. Well, yeah, that's nothing. 
it, you know, that can be rebounded the next morning on in an hour. So it, it just is so funny to watch it and, and people go all worried and wigged out about it. And it's like a one day movement of even 1% is not that unusual. Right, exactly. I mean, I, you know, in the time that we've had this conversation, I think I've watched it move, and, and we've only been talking for fifteen minutes. I've watched it move at least point, you know, two or three. So it does. Yeah, I mean, and it's it, going to happen. It, and, and daily movements of the stock market really shouldn't—you shouldn't really be that affected by it. Right. I mean, if you're if you're watching it that closely, that's probably a good sign or a bad sign that you don't feel really confident about the plan that you're in or your portfolio. Oh, totally agree. And you, you are now what's called what I call a speculator. You're not an investor. Yeah. If you're worried about what the market's going to do today, then you're speculating. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're an investor, you know that the market's going to go up and it's going to go down. Yeah. And over time, it's always going to be higher. Or maybe like a rubbernecker, like with a car accident, right? You're just watching to see like if something's going to happen one way or the yeah, other. Exactly. Uh, so exactly. yeah, certainly not a good idea. And look, and it's also important to remember a lot of times this stuff is there to, I, I don't know if entertain is a good word, but that's kind of the idea behind it. They're, they're looking to provide some sort of either shock, entertainment value, something along those lines. So just kind of bear that in mind. Sensationalism definitely ranks high on there. Um, paid placement, you know, whether it's your favorite magazine or something like that, most of the time they're trying to put a, a specific ad or whatever high up Google searches, whatever the case might be, right? Just so they can get your attention. Oh, absolutely. And I don't really have that big a problem with it, only from the standpoint is you, you have to get noticed um, with sure, it. True. But you, you don't get fooled by it. They're paying for that to be on there. Uh, it's kind of like if you see somebody on the the morning, we have a morning show here on on one of the stations and there's always a financial advisor who's on there, you know, giving financial advice from one of my saw what what to do with lottery winnings to, you know, all these different things. Well, they're on there because they paid to get on there, um, which is fine, but it can't be taken as somehow that that station was just looking out for the news. You know, they were. They want to fill that time and they want revenue. Right. Exactly. And I, I agree with you. I mean, you, you do have to get noticed and, and that's understandable. But I think from uh, our audience perspective, just remember that. Right. So when you're looking at something and you see maybe the article or the ad or something is promoted in a certain way, uh, twi- I, don't, you know, I don't know how many of our listeners are doing Twitter or Facebook or that type of thing. But a lot of times there are those paid promotional things. And sometimes they even lead with those. They're promoting a sensationalistic type of thing. And so don't just see something, you know, market, you know, poised or certain stock poised ways to tumble or whatever and click on it and realize that when you're clicking on it, it does say like paid promotion or sponsored ad. So just bear that in mind. It may have a biased or agenda uh, behind it. So that's, and that's our topic today really is just looking at those things, remembering that, you know, it all kind of has an angle to it. I mean, we'll, you know, in, in the interest of disclosure, we're doing a podcast to hopefully educate folks about some things, but at the same time, we're also saying if you need help, Steve is available. So any way you want to slice it, we know that's how the world works, but it's just a matter of how much you're subjecting yourself to kind of the over the topness, if you will. Uh, all right. So, and then a lot of times I think this is actually, this one here is to me works well because it's understandable and we kind of all fall into this. Just know your audience. You may be hearing something that is actually really good, strong advice, Steve, but it's just not the right advice for you. They may be talking to a completely different demographic. Oh, absolutely. They may be, for example, they may be talking about a growth strategy in a portfolio. Well, if you're in your mid-70s, you need an income strategy. 
you know, you still want some growth, but really you need to be looking at an income strategy, not a growth strategy. So a lot of times what people will do is go, oh, well, I'll deviate from my income strategy and go to the growth strategy because that sounds great. And then what happens? The market turns and you're in a growth strategy and you lose 20% of your money. So you've got to be aware of what they're talking about and understand that it may not be something they're talking to you about. Right. Well, let's talk about Roth conversions for a second in there, because I think that was one that's that's definitely gotten a lot of conversation over the last 18, 24 months. And it may be the right strategy for you, but depending on your age, it also may not be, you know, even with the new changes to the SECURE Act, it may not be the right thing for you to do. Oh, absolutely. You have to weigh the, what I always tell people is I say, look, is it great to have money in a tax-free account? Absolutely. However, you have to have time on your side to regain how much you're going to be paying in taxes up front. So you have to be aware that it takes time to recoup those taxes. So it may not be the right strategy for you uh, if you're, say, you're 73 or 74 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Just by plain life expectancy, you're not going to be around long enough for the market because we can't predict what the market's going to do to recover all the taxes you're going to pay up front. And um, so it may not be the right thing to do. Yeah, very, very true. Well, And those are really the big ones. I think we all probably are somewhat aware of, obviously, sensationalistic uh, journalism, if you will, paid placements. And then the wrong audience, I think that's really a key for a lot of people, is really really being able to identify that you may not be the target audience they're speaking to. And so bear that in mind, even if they're saying, well, this conversation is really good for pre-retirees, sometimes the strategies being talked about may not be. So you always want to make sure that whatever you hear, whatever you find interesting that you want to learn more about or whatever, do some homework and then always reference that and talk with a qualified professional, someone who does it every day. Uh, If you're working with an advisor, bounce it off of them, talk to them about it. If you're not, you want some uh, some help or a second opinion, well, that, again, that's why we do the podcast. And you can reach out to Steve if you're not already working with him. Share it with the, uh, the information with others who may benefit by calling him at 913-685-3207. That's 913-685-3207. Or going to the website, wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. A lot of good tools, tips, and resources can be found at the website as well, along with the podcast where you can subscribe to us to get uh, past episodes as well as future episodes. All right. And um, I think we're going to take an email question here in just a second. But before we do, there's maybe one more piece in this. And I don't know. The producers put this on here. But to me, this is I can't imagine this happens too often, but we're all human, as I led off with. And maybe you're just hearing an analysis or something from someone who just had a bad week or just had a bad experience with something in particular, and they're really down on a particular product. And therefore, you're hearing that. And, you, you know, maybe that influences you and it has nothing to do with the actual product or the vehicle itself. It doesn't. And sometimes, well, let, me, let me give you an example okay, sure. um, that I see in Usually, if you're watching, I don't know, CNBC or some other, the Fox Business News or whatever you watch, right. sometimes the anchor will be in the middle. You will have a individual from a financial firm on one side. You'll have an individual from another financial services firm on the other side. Okay. And they will have direct opposite opinions of, let's say, Apple. Sure. They want point um, counterpoint. One right. will be on one side saying Apple's great. Apple's going to just soar to $500 a share. Um, they're going to outdo the market. Their earnings are just going to skyrocket, et cetera. The person on the other side will say, no, Apple is going to go into the tank. They don't have anything new. They're not innovative. Their earnings are going to be down and so on. Why does this happen? First of all, 
they each have their own agenda. The one who says Apple's going to be going up is wanting people to put money into their fund and because they, they are what we call bullish on the market. Right. The other person who thinks Apple's going to go down tends to have funds that are betting on the fact that the market's going to go down. So whenever you see that on there, they each have an agenda and that agenda is to appeal to whatever you're thinking you think the market's going to do which is kind of a um, risky thing to do, but they're on there for that reason. Right, they're right. not giving you objective advice. They're basically giving you what they think the market's going to do. And they're hoping that you're going to pick up the phone and call your advisor and say, buy that fund that I just saw that person on TV uh, is managing. Yeah. Well, like a lot of it, it's all speculation. So, you know, we, we realize that now the market's still, you know, the greatest wealth creation tool on the planet, I think. But at the same time, I think we should all hopefully go into it eyes wide open as it is what it is. Uh, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of algorithms and, and certain predictors that kind of help, but you can never really say for sure what's going to happen. The only kind of guarantee you can say is that uh, over the course of 2020, for example, it's going to go up and it's going to go down. And sometimes in the same day. <laughs> right. And it may be sideways, maybe flat. Yeah, that's maybe. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of the last things I always hear when we were talking to the media is I, I always love it when they're on there and they, and this always happens when they have a down day. Well, what are investors to do tomorrow to their portfolio? Right. And Nothing. there's, oh, oh boy, they should be doing this, restructuring this. And right. it's like, because they that had is one the bad, worst yeah. thing that you can do. Yeah, no, I agree. Because there was, you know, they you have one bad day and they're discussing it, and so they're saying, "Well, make these moves tomorrow." Well, what if tomorrow was exactly, you know, was better than today was, and by moving something, you just moved out of it? So yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, it drives definitely me not, crazy. Yeah, definitely not a good idea. It's uh, like your kid, your son makes a big mistake in in school, and you're like, "Well, he's done." Right. You know, we're going to take him out of school and right. start making him work. You know, that's over. Yeah. yeah. School, that, that experiment failed. Let's, yeah, let's get a job with a drill. Let's go. Yeah. Exactly. He's 12 years old. It's <laughs> over. Move him on. There you go. Fantastic. Well, that's our topic this week. Uh, just be careful of financial biases that you'll hear in the media, magazines, uh, workplace, things of that nature. Just, uh, you know, kind of keep your head on a swivel a little bit when it comes to these things. Uh, you hear something useful, again, and learn more about it. Uh, get varying points of view. And then always speak with the person who knows you, who's working with you, and that would be your financial advisor before you take any action. And we're going to finish off with an email question, as we usually do uh, most of the time here. We've got one that came from Beth and KC, and Beth says, Steve, I could sell my house right now for a half million, and I only owe 100000 I'm 57, but I'm thinking about selling it and buying a much smaller place and using that extra cash to retire earlier, maybe even now. What do you think? Well, there's a couple things that you have to, to understand about uh, when you're selling your house. And she doesn't put in here if she's married or she's single. Right. So let's, I'm going to do two assumptions here. Let's say that she is uh, married. She could, they could, she and her, her spouse could sell this house and do exactly what, what she's saying she wants yep. to do. Retire. Buy a smaller yep. house, have some extra proceeds to invest for retirement because for a married couple, they can sell their primary residence as long as they've lived there two out of the last five years and realize a profit of $500,000. In this case, she probably, they're well within those limits. So there's no taxes involved in terms of that. However, if she's single and she purchased this house 
and she has more than $250,000 of profit in it, even though she owes some money, she could be looking at a capital gains tax. So you need to be aware of where you stand when you start selling a personal residence. And I've had people tell me, well, I don't have to worry about it because as long as I buy a house of equal or greater value, um, there is no tax on the sale of the primary residence. That went away. It all went to, if you're married, you can realize a profit of a half a million. If you're single, you can realize a profit of $250,000. Yeah, and there's a lot of things we don't know in there. And so you want to just make sure that, again, you're bouncing this off of your advisor, you're talking with them, because there's several things that could affect it. I think overall, uh, it sounds, and, and also, you know, you did mention that you're 57 and you can retire now. Just make sure you've got a plan for the medical side as well. Um, that's the one that's that always, huge. Yeah, that, that, no, that's a great point. And that's because if you've looked at, at health care cost, uh, it is extremely expensive uh, <laughs> to get a health insurance, even on the new uh, Affordable Care Act yeah. exchange. Yeah. So you need to weigh that, um, especially if you're under 65. Yeah, that could eat like the whole thing and you wouldn't even realize it. So. Uh, at least as possible. Again, depending on what kind of health you know you guys are in. So, yeah, definitely uh, have a conversation. You know, great question. Thanks for submitting it to us. We certainly appreciate it. Definitely have a conversation. Talk with an advisor. Uh, give them some more details, like are you married, so on and so forth, things of that nature, and uh, and have a chat and see if it does make sense for you. Address the healthcare side of things and take a look at it. If you know if it's possible, I mean, why wouldn't you at least entertain the idea to find out if it's possible? So you've gone this far. Go another step further. Call Steve at nine one three six eight five. 3207-913-685-3207. Steve, my friend, thanks so much for being here with me on The Retirement Pilot. As always, I appreciate you and hope you have a great week. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you next time, folks. Don't forget to reach out to Steve and his team at WealthPartnersKC.com. That is WealthPartnersKC.com. You can find them in Kansas City with his office there in Overland Park. He's a financial coach at Wealth Partners Corporation and been serving the area for more than 20 years. And we'll see you next time here on the program. Bye-bye. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.